Hi, this is Erica at Girl in Transformation Podcast. I'm your host and speaker and the person who started it, but hopefully I will have new people joining me soon. I have an interview planned with my friend Madeline who practices rolfing and I can't wait to talk about some of that and that technique about healing your body. So this podcast is developing into all types of healing whether it be physical, mental, emotional, uh, just a balanced, integrated, holistic healing. And I recently have earned my life coach certification that I took online. And now I'm implementing a lot of the things that I'm learning through Koya, through teaching Koya. And I'm almost getting ready to go into our intensive workshop soon. So I'm really excited about that. But I'm incorporating a lot of those in my life coaching techniques. I think that it is extremely important to have a balance in every aspect of our lives to be the highest version of ourself and to give back freely as we have received freely. So today I am going to talk a little bit about my past and my process of getting to this stage of where I'm able to actually talk about things and not feel shame because that was a long time coming and it's very very difficult to open up about sexual trauma and not feel shame. I had experienced my first sexual trauma when I was about five or six years old and I was at a friend's house and Her father played this weird game with us, um, basically resulting in an entire scene that ended up in his bedroom. Um, Me crying in a closet and being scared to death to tell anybody about what had happened. And from a lot of the issues there came things that I held on to forever. And I'm still, you know, coming to grips with like, hey, I can trace that back to you know, that situation, and that's why I do that, but the awesome part is now I can see it, and I can move through it, and I can, I can work through it, so I'm very happy about that, but, um, I had actually tried to tell somebody in third grade about what had happened, but I sort of was made fun of, and kind of called a liar, so that didn't really work out. From that experience, I ended up keeping quiet about it for a really long time, Uh, When I did finally open up about it again, it was with a group of women for the first time at my church, which was a really uh, good thing for me. I just mentioned it briefly. I didn't get into all the details. Um, I went on to tell some of my closest friends. That did not go so well. FYI, when you're finally sharing your story of trauma, make sure that you're going to a place that has the best capabilities of helping you where you're at. My friends were not prepared for this information. (laughs) I love them dearly, and I know that they meant everything that they said to me um, with love, so I don't hold that against them. But they were not equipped to deal with what I was dealing with. And the advice they gave me only took me into a further hole of hell, I will say, when it comes to mental health field. (laughs) One of my friends actually suggested that I was bipolar. (laughs) So if that helps you 
uh, understand what I'm talking about, then you'll understand where I went from there. Because I was at such a low state and such a like desperate state that I thought, well, maybe I am. And I went on to this entire avenue of thinking that perhaps I was, and I would go into different therapy areas expressing this, and then they would basically agree with me. So I was just saying what I already had thought, and without any diagnosis, like official diagnosis, or any real <laughs> therapy, they basically were like, uh-huh, that's it. <laughs> Signing off on this horrible experience in the mental health field <laughs> regarding that. Um, it is so, so important to find a good therapist because if you don't and someone takes something like that down, it is really hard to get that stigma off of you. Uh, mine was PTSD and the first person who finally recognized that and helped me a ton was the very last therapist I had. Um, and she was, I mean, she was amazing. So one of the few um, so out of one out of, uh, 10 or 12, <laughs> I mean, that's an okay percentage, I guess. Not really, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's so important that when you're sharing your story and when you're going to get help, that you go to somebody who can handle what you're dealing with and that you go to somebody who you can trust. Uh, there actually, I feel like is a real need for just trauma counselors that have no um, plan on categorizing you but just listening to you and then helping you deal with that trauma and helping like through behavior therapy getting those things out of your system or helping you recognize where they are in your system so that was my experience through that I started thinking I was crazy um, I got really really depressed I mean, I'm talking depressed that I tried to kill myself multiple times, and I talked about this a little bit in another episode, and I just want to stress that I am so, so thankful that none of these efforts that I tried worked. I'm so thankful that I lived through the one of the worst ones and the last ones, which was the medications, um, and having to get my stomach pumped and all this other stuff, and anyway... <laughs> it was it was not good but when you're not getting the help that you need and you're not seeing any light I was not doing this to hurt anybody I, I did not think I was selfish I wasn't trying to feel or be that way at the time all I felt was I was in so much pain and I could not see a way out of it and it's a horrible place to be where you are in so much pain that you cannot see any other alternative but thinking oh, let me just hit a reset button and whether you believe that you have another chance at life or not I don't know that's not my place to say but I felt like if I could just you know hit reset and start over <laughs> in another life then I would be okay but uh I've come to greatly appreciate the life I'm living right now, and I don't want to reset it. I want to experience it fully. It's good things, and it's bad things. So, being in this space that I am now, I am just in a state of gratitude. That's how I would sum it up, is I'm just grateful. And I'm very, very grateful to be in a place where I've been through so much, um, 
and experienced so much of those deep dark places and made it through that I hopefully can help somebody else and say hey it's it's possible you can be in that place and get to a place where you know you're writing uh, blogs or talking on a podcast or teaching Koya classes uh, starting your own business because I officially did start my own business uh, my life coaching business I just recently started it uh, this past week which was a huge deal for me so to be in a place where you didn't think you could do anything anymore to get to a place where you feel worthy and that you can do anything that you dream of is a miracle and I am just really thankful for that uh, opportunity to be where I am today so going through this um, I a lot of the the molestation things that had happened I had gone to counseling I had gotten therapy I was doing a lot better um, but I guess I wasn't quite doing a lot better because I still had that shame and I also that lack of worthiness which the lack of worthiness is honestly to me the worst thing in society if somebody doesn't feel like they're worth something I feel like everything derives from that and when I was in Colombia, I put myself in a situation where I allowed someone into my apartment um, you know he he was there he was basically the person who worked at my like gate and let people in and out of my place um, I thought he was coming up because I had an issues with my phone or TV or something. I can't remember. It was something that electrical, and I didn't know if maybe he could help me. He comes in and starts talking to me. Well, he kisses me, and at first I'm like, okay, this is fine, I guess. Um, but immediately it got, like, forceful. It happened fast. I'm not going to go into the details. But I found myself allowing him to do things to me that I would never have dreamed that I would let anybody do to me. And I kind of was left with this feeling of shock afterwards. And I didn't even know how to process it. Because I never actually said no during the whole process. Um, I just froze. <laughs> I was, I just sort of, I don't even understand what I did other than to say that I haven't been able to talk about this because I felt so much shame in the fact that I never actually said no or pushed him off of me. Um, I was ashamed of that. I was so ashamed of it. And then I tried to kind of tell somebody what happened and their interpretation of the events because I wasn't able to express what happened. <laughs> they were like, oh, good for you. You had sex. And I was like, mm, I, I don't. I, d I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, that's not what it felt like to me. <laughs> and thinking, well, maybe I should be happy about this. Maybe it was I needed to let off this energy. I don't know. Um, I remember thinking that. And believing them when they said, like, oh, good for you. <laughs> and I took that and then transformed. And this is where it gets very hard to talk about. Because I have a lot of, or I'm not going to say I have, I had a lot of shame in what I did next, which was continue a relationship with this guy. And I would let him do things to me at whenever he wanted. And I actually was on a trip. He called. 
I came home, left the trip early to be with this guy to do whatever he wanted. And then, yeah. So, I now can honestly say I understand what somebody that has experienced a relationship with, um, for lack of a better word, a bimp or someone like that, what kind of mindset you can get into to allow something like that to happen to you. I get it. I can honestly say I get it. And I really feel compassion because you don't even really, it doesn't register what you're doing because you're so far from yourself. You've shut yourself down so much that you lost the ability for any sort of self-realization and you just, it doesn't even happen. I, I can't even, it's sort of like, um, slavery, I guess. The mindset of it, which the mindset of slavery is the most powerful thing of slavery. To be in that place where you think that you deserve to be a slave, that's the worst place that you can be. Um, or that someone has the right to control you in whatever shape or form that's scary and I for anybody out there right now that is in that situation I just pray that somehow you will break free from that so anyway I went through this experience and um it was weird because that's not what really triggered at least I didn't think it was what triggered the next few events that happened to me while I was in Colombia but I was also um besides being raped in my apartment by this guy and then me basically letting him come into my life and using me whenever he wanted um and then after that I was robbed um twice I was stabbed once during one of the robberies it wasn't like a big stab I mean it wasn't the knife was I think it was maybe like a scalpel or something it wasn't major um but it was two guys and they had attacked me from behind and then I was also jogging and a man with a giant steak knife jumped out and attacked me and was like wrestling around with me and I was able to fight him off but yeah that happened too and then I had one other final robbery and that was on a trip that I had taken which I had described um in another podcast and that was the one with the like those everybody went crazy and it was almost a riot and a lot of other stuff so all of these things happened. I basically <laughs> had a breakdown, a complete breakdown. Um, and when I got back from that last trip, I I had decided that I was like, nope, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done with life. So I tried to kill myself. Took a bunch of medication. At the like, I started feeling really, really sick. And, like, I couldn't breathe. And then it scared me. It's amazing what happens to you. Like, even in your mind, if you want to die, your body, <laughs> its evolutionary job is to keep you alive. So, it, like, kicks in. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, crap. What did I do? I don't want to die. And so, I had called an ambulance. I went to the hospital. They pumped my stomach. Then I was checked into a Colombian uh mental hospital which let me tell you this was horrible like old school prison cell jail cell jail cells with bars um 
and uh, it was just and basically like any of the patients male or female could go into anybody else's room so you were just locked off from the public you couldn't get out but you're all locked in together <laughs> it was a nightmare especially for someone like me who is very into my own personal space so this happened I was in this place for a couple of weeks uh, somebody from my school had called my parents or called my best friend from home they called my parents my parents flew down they got me out um, I thought things were going better it didn't um, so I ended up in another place but yeah eventually what I have to say is like I spent almost I think it was like four to six weeks in two different types of Colombian mental hospitals and well it was actually three different facilities so um, <laughs> and then counseling in Spanish <laughs> I'm laughing because I keep thinking like this story doesn't sound real but everything about this story is completely true and if you looked up the history of it <laughs> would find that I'm not lying because it's all true um I'm not embarrassed about this anymore and I'm not ashamed of it because you know this is life and some people maybe they have a very easy calm life I don't know who those people are I would love to meet them because I would <laughs> I would just be like wow you live a very calm refreshing life and congratulations that has not been my experience my life has been full of lots of learning and lots of development and now uh, lots of transformation so the one thing that I can say that out of all of this going through all of these experiences um, I'm super super grateful for them and the fact that I can help anybody else going through any type of experience like this and hopefully they let people not feel ashamed to just say hey yeah something like crazy like that happened to me and there were a lot of other things that happened um during these times i mean part of the reason that i kept my story secret for so long was that my brother had um very bad epilepsy and that took up a lot of my parents time and he was in and out of the hospital a lot and i didn't want to be um an extra burden i didn't want them to have to deal with it yeah unfortunately that doesn't work <laughs> It ended up they had to deal with it later anyway. God bless my parents because <laughs> they've been through a lot. But, um, and they've stuck together. They're still married. So I think that is saying a lot about the strength of who they are. That they were able to maintain their relationship through all of the craziness of their two children. But I'm just, I'm very grateful for these experiences. And I'm grateful for the people that have come into my life through all of them as well and I just want to finish up by saying when I got back from Columbia I stayed in Florida for a little bit I had time to sort of heal um, and get through some of the depression that I was still had lingering effects I was in a better place with my grandmother and my dad my mom our relationships were strengthened I started doing a lot more stuff with photography, which helped me a ton. Finding photography and the love of photography honestly saved my life. That was the first thing that I really enjoyed that I wanted to live for. I was like, yes, I love this. And then being outside in nature, the, the next part was having something to take care of. 
which were the puppies that my mom ended up buying. When I took care of the four dogs at our house uh, for the first six or seven months of their life, that was very healthy for me to be responsible for something else and to think about something else. It got my mind off my own problems and helped me see other problems. Um, that's a really healthy step in getting out of depression is to be able to see that the problems that you're thinking about that are yours, there it's not all that there is. And to have something to take care of, I think, is very healthy. Uh, being outside in nature, walking, getting lots of exercise. I had started jogging. When I started my new job that I have now um, for the DNR, I wasn't able to do that as much, and I missed it a lot. But thankfully, uh, I am able to get back to being active by teaching the Koya classes. So I will go into my story of the magic of how I encountered Koya on the next podcast. This podcast was basically an explanation of who I am, where I've been, so that you can understand why I'm doing this and why I'm sharing this story. And I finally feel like I'm able to say this without shame and just appreciation that I live this life and that my story is crazy <laughs> um, and that I've had all of these crazy experiences. So I hope that, like I always say with every time I talk about this, that the right people hear it at the right time in their lives and that it gives some sort of medicine or healing to them. And thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to talk again and uh, introduce you to my friend Madeline, who will be talking about rolfing. So, lots of love. Keep transforming. Ever-changing, ever-evolving.